0: In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul paints a marvelous picture of what the normal Christian life in Christ, in Spirit, and in Father God is all about. And if you notice carefully in Romans 8, you will pick up a theme that Paul is speaking about an increase in the spiritual life. As you live in the Holy Spirit, life is added to your being, life is added to your spirit. Life is added to your mind, and life will so saturate your person, eventually your very body will be raised from the grave. Life, according to Romans 5, verse 17, can actually reign within you. In other words, the spiritual man who lives the spiritual life in Christ Jesus, he should experience an upward increase at all times. Not an easy life, not a life without its hurdles and its difficulties. But nevertheless, in God, He doesn't fall away and then come back, and then fall away and then come back, and then up and then down, and then revival and then backsliding. When life reigns within you, even though life is difficult, when divine life reigns within you, The spiritual life should be one of increase. John the Baptizer prophesied this when he said that when the Messiah comes, He will take every mountaintop and bring it low. He will take every valley and raise it up. And He will take any road that is crooked and make it straight. This is what the Messianic Kingdom is all about. It is not a mountaintop experience. It is not a valley experience. It is not a rabbit trail experience. It is a straight and narrow. In this message, I want to ask you, do you live the Christian life, the spiritual life, one day in the kingdom, one day in a valley, or in some kind of a mountaintop uh, experience? Do you have a consistent, vibrant energetic, anointed, and ongoing walk with the Holy Spirit, even though life is tough? Are you on an upward swing, a life of increase, or are you just getting by? Come with me now to Romans chapter 8, and follow with me from verse 6 all the way through 11, and just notice how for the man and woman in Christ, there is always an upward increase in the spiritual life. We bless the name of God today. And I just say, Father, You are awesome. You are our Father. You have adopted us. You have breathed Your life into us. Lord, You have saved us to the uttermost. You've turned our lives around. And Lord, I don't necessarily always feel that. But the Word of God teaches that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I just say amen to that. Lord, I pray that Your truth, would become my experience. And that um, all that you've accomplished in your Son would absolutely become real to me. I pray, God, that we would not be a theoretical people, a philosophical people, a clever people with human wisdom and human speech and human anecdotes and uh, 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 maxims, but we would be people that can say, Christ lives in me. And the Word of God is flesh in me and it's my reality and it's my experience. And I pray today God that you would uh, open up the veil and draw the curtain let light in so we can see that the gospel is just not me only going to heaven, but the gospel is God coming to me. God coming into a, a, a frail human being. And while we struggle to understand it and struggle to explain it, I pray that the saints today would just agree with it, say amen to it, and that we would experience it. So Lord, I thank you that 2,000 years later the gospel has not changed. God is still interested to live and reside and dwell and, and, and make His home inside of people. And so today we welcome you to do just that. In the name of Jesus. I'm very much endeared to Romans chapter 8 because In it, Paul shows me a little bit how to live the spiritual life. And it is a jam-packed chapter and worthy of much study, worthy of much meditation, worthy of much preaching and contemplation. And uh, it has been a joy for me to walk through this chapter with you just a little bit here and a little bit there. But I want you to follow with me here in... um, Verses 6, starting in verse 6, and I want to come all the way through verse 11. And I want you to notice how in the flesh, there is a downward um, economy. In the flesh, there is always a decline. And I want you to notice in spirit, there is an upward economy. There is always a kind of a growth, if you will. In the flesh... Things fall down and collapse and decline. In spirit, there's always an increase. Paul would say, for instance, in the book of Galatians chapter 6, that if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. There's always a decline in fleshly things. If you mind the flesh, walk in the flesh, and bear the fruit of the flesh, your life will always have a kind of a decline. The converse is also true. If you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap life. There's somehow an increase. There's an addition for those who are spiritually minded, for those who are spiritually inclined, and for those who live and walk in Spirit. So it's this tension that I want to sort of dig into with you just a little bit. In the flesh... There is always uh, uh, enmity against God. In spirit, there is harmony with God. So look here in verse 6 of Romans chapter 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh, that mind, that experience results in death. There is a decline. But the mind that is set on the spirit, there is life and peace. There is a kind of a fullness. There is a kind of an increase. Verse 7, because the mind that is set on the flesh is enmity against God. Notice, walk in the flesh, mind the flesh, and you find yourself at odds with God. Contrary to God, even against God. On the other hand, verses uh, 9 says, you are not in the flesh. If you're in the flesh... You're at odds with God and you cannot be subject to the law of God. You cannot really walk out the economy of God. Verse 8 says that if you are in the flesh, you cannot even please God. Everything is a downward spiral. But here he comes in verse 9. You're not in the flesh. If you are born of the Spirit of God, then constitutionally things have changed in you. yes you have an option to swing towards the things of this earth, the things of the flesh. But constitutionally, another nature has come into you, giving you a brand new opportunity to swing to the other side. And it's this age-old tension between the flesh and the spirit. But yeah, swing to the flesh, and there is a litany of things that's going to derail you. Swing to the spirit... And something is going to increase in you, be added to to you, and grow within you. Notice how he puts it. He says, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. Amen. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells within you. There's a little bit of a condition there. You are a new creation. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells within you. So he says, uh, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, then you simply do not belong to him. Notice now verse 10. But if Christ is in you, if he does now dwell within you, even though your body is in a downward spiral of decline, and, and even though your body is dying, your spirit is life because of righteousness. So you see here, my sketch on the screen, the things of the flesh pulls you down into death. But the things of the Spirit always will lift you up into life. So here you have that tension in verse 10. Even though your body is dead and wants to go the way of this world and the way of decline, there is something within you that wants to go the way of resurrection and life and righteousness. Then he comes in verse 11 and he says, If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, if he dwells within you, he who raised Christ up from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. If you live in the flesh, Death is your reality in spirit, in soul, and in body. If you live in the flesh, your spirit is going to shut down from uh, fellowship with God and intimacy with God. If you live in the flesh, your mind is going to be shut down from the mind of God. You're going to be alienated from the truth of God and the wisdom of God. And if you're in the flesh, your emotions are going to shut down before God. If you live in the flesh, your will is going to shut down before God. You're not going to be inclined to do the things of God. You you want to do the things of self. And if you live in the flesh, obviously your body is going to spiral down into the acts of death and the acts of rebellion and the acts of waywardness. Even so much so that eventually this body is going to die and be condemned. But Paul comes, he says, no, 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 wait. Christ is in you. The Spirit of God dwells within you. So there is an upward crescendo. There is an increase of uh, the life of God within you. And that increase, that life is going to so saturate you that your entire being is going to be constituted in resurrection. So your spirit is going to be made alive by God. Your mind is going to be made alive by God. Your emotions are going to be touched by God. Your will is going to be trained and made alive unto God. And yes, even this body, even though it's going to die and expire in the natural, Paul is hinting here at the resurrection. This life is going to so saturate you that even your body in time is going to be raised from the dead. Life is going to conquer you, spirit, soul, and body. There's always an increase in the things of God, a resurrection in the things of God. There's always a decrease in the things of the flesh. Here, Paul is trying to hint at the fact that if Christ is in you, then you can expect life to begin to grow within you, even as life grows within a woman's womb during pregnancy. As long as that woman um, conducts herself in an orderly fashion, life will grow within that woman. But if that woman who is pregnant begins to uh, live loose and drink excessively and let's say take all sorts of unhealthy substances within her, and different foods, and who knows, if, if she acts unbecoming and lean into, let's say, inferior things, then the woman stands a very good chance of prematurely aborting that child. I'll tell you this, when uh, Wendy was pregnant with Francis, it was just a joy to behold her she developed a craving for orange juice and spontaneously wanted to avoid coffee. Nobody told her thou shalt like orange juice and thou shalt not drink caffeine anymore. But I watched Wendy that she listened to her body and it began to crave orange juice. Yo, we bought more orange juice than I think is is legal for, for the average person. I felt like I bought all of Florida. And she could just not get enough. But the life within her wanted that kind of um, calcium or vitamin C or whatever is within orange juice, and she obeyed it. But I also watched Wendy quite interestingly. She stopped jumping trampoline. She stopped climbing into tree houses. She began to conduct herself in such a way that the life within her could be preserved and could grow. I did not know that a pregnant woman should not jump on a trampoline because as a woman jumps and bounce, it's going to damage and dislodge that life within her womb that needs to be protected and cradled and, and nurtured. And plus, you can't just go where you want, drink what you want, eat what you want. And I watched how the life within Wendy craved, let's say the orange juice and began to reject coffee and let's say alcohol, and let's say smoke, and tobacco, etc., etc. Like nobody had to give her the Ten Commandments of, of, of pregnancy. The life led her to increase, and all she had to do was say yes to the, to the inward, let's say, unction, and feeling of that baby Francis growing within her tummy. Now, if Wendy had uh, downed, endless bottles of alcohol and smoked however she wanted to and jumped and ran and acted loose and unbecoming for, let's say, a pregnant woman, she would have come close to dislodging that life within her and caused damage to that life within her. And I see it similarly to you and I walking in God. The day that God came into you, brothers, this may sound a little kooky, but just follow the metaphor. The day that God came into you, brothers, we became pregnant. We became pregnant with Almighty God Himself. And as a woman carries that child through a nine-month period of growth and increase, and then that child is delivered, and there's the manifestation of the image of a human being from her, even so, we become pregnant with God, and we are to carry God for the next, oh, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. And we will give birth to the image of God in due time. We will give birth to the glory of God through us. But we've got to carry God in our spiritual womb, if you will. And this is called walking in the Spirit. So as I walk in the Spirit, all I have to do is pay attention to the cravings of the life within me. That life within me will want to fellowship with God. That life within me will want to pray. That life within me will want to worship and mind the things of heaven. That life within me, just like it was in Wendy, craving, let's say, orange juice. And and ladies, when you get pregnant, your body just really becomes weird. It craves things you didn't know existed, and it will repel things you didn't know existed. It's just, it's the natural way of things. It's the same in the spirit. Brothers, if we are pregnant with God, there's a desire to obey. There's a desire to love. There's a desire to consecrate. And as I lean into that feeling of the Spirit, that voice of the Spirit, that unction of the Spirit, you will experience spiritual growth. But, if we are pregnant with God, so to speak, if we could follow the metaphor, and I continue to live loose, I obey the flesh, I do whatever the flesh wants, then you will find, uh, in a way, a diminishing of the life within you. No, you don't lose God, but you lose fellowship with God. You lose the voice of God. You lose the shepherding of God, and you lose the correction of God, and you lose the discipline of God. And if you carry on too long sowing to the flesh, and just doing whatever the flesh wants to do, there will be a decrease of the anointing within you and a decrease of the glory within you and a decrease of sanctification and a decrease of transformation. And that's why so many of us can be walking with God for a year or five or ten and we never change. In a way, we abort God. We forfeit the anointing. We forfeit growth in the Spirit. And so Paul comes here in Romans 8. And he says, hey, Christ is in you, if indeed He's in you. Now if He is in you, even though your body still wants to just live loose, there is a Spirit within you calling you up. Because your Spirit is from above. This life is from above. And it will draw you and magnetize you to the things of God. And again, the ball is in your court. Christ in you will draw you towards the heavenly. And sin within you will knock on the door and say, let's go to the old timey ways. And beloved, we've already talked about this. This is where your choice comes into being. You will have to learn like a pregnant woman to say yes to the orange juice. And like a pregnant woman, no to the liquor and the caffeine and the friends and the issues of this world. If the life of Christ is in you, it will seek to saturate the entirety of your being. So much so that um, you'll be resurrected from the dead. Now turn with me back to Romans 5 where Paul already hints at some of these things. Here's you and I. The of God came into me, um, as might a seed, the seed of life, was dropped into your inner man. In Matthew 13 and in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seed. He is the sower and he wants to sow seed into this world. And if you notice carefully in that parable, that seed is a life element that is supposed to grow. And he says, yeah, some of the seed falls by the wayside and the birds of the air snatches it up. Some of the seed falls in a kind of a shallow person. And there is just not a lot of depth in that person. And the sun comes up and just scorches that person. That seed doesn't have a chance to really grow. Then he says, yeah, there's a seed that falls in in, in a rather good soil, but it's a mixture of soils. And uh, yeah, uh, weeds grow up and the cares of this world and the anxieties of this world then chokes that seed. That seed doesn't blossom, doesn't flourish. It doesn't reach its zenith. Then he says, yeah, some of this seed can actually fall within people and they can grow to about, oh, 30-fold. He says, there's seed that falls in others and they will grow up to about, oh, 60-fold. That seed will produce within them. And then he says, no, there's yet others, the good soil, that this seed will produce a hundred-fold increase. And it's almost as though he's hinting in his parable, hey, this seed has so much power. This resurrection life of God within you, this new life, it can produce a hundredfold through you. There's an increase. There's always an upward glory to glory to glory attached to the life of God within you. So notice how he says it here. In Romans chapter 5 come with me to verses 17 for if by the offense of the one death reigned through the one much more those who receive the abundance of God's grace and the gift of God's righteousness in Christ They will reign, look at this carefully now, they will reign in life through the one, Jesus the Christ. Notice carefully, at one time sin was dropped within Adam. And that sin began to affect Adam's children, right here. And that sin began to really spread and consume every person coming from Adam. And that sin increased, increased, increased until the entirety of mankind was locked up under this identity, this influence of sin. So he says, even as sin has the ability to, to, to spread and, and to increase, and of course it increases in a downward spiral, Right? In a decline, he says so much so that um, y- you will die. You die spiritually. You, you die solically. You die physically. That death will spread to the entirety of your being. So he comes. He says, "Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. what, what is the gospel? The gospel is a little bit like sin. It's just the exact opposite. Sin comes into you and 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 spreads." And it conquers the entirety of your being. It reigns within you. He says, now the gospel is Christ coming into you. If indeed Christ comes into you. Now if Christ comes into you, it's as though life drops into you. The the, the glory of God drops into you. The the nature of God drops into you. And just like sin spread into the entirety of your being, consumed all of you, life is going to do the same. But he says here, notice carefully, he says, even though death is reigning within you, much more, much more will life reign in you. So he's drawing a contrast. If death could so consume the entirety of your being and crush you down into the realm of the dead itself, then how much more... Can the life of God increase in your life? And this is where we get in this idea. In God, there should be a continual increase of the nature of God within you. So much so that the life of God rules and reigns and have dominion in the entirety of your being. So much so, Paul says, that it will saturate your flesh, your very body, to be resurrected from the dead one day. So I want to fixate on this. Is your spiritual life a life of gradual saturation in the things of God? Or is your spiritual life a compartmentalized life? That is, God is allowed to saturate me for this hour. He's allowed to saturate me on that day. At this conference, at that retreat, He's allowed to saturate me when I read this chapter and listen to that song. Or, are you like Paul that allows this life to saturate the entirety of my being 24-7? Where I'm kind of like this steak marinating in these sauces. And you know that as that steak just lays there in that sauce, that juice, that steak begins to absorb all the flavor of that marinade. It's like a cucumber that you put inside of a vinegar mixture. And that cucumber just stays there. But what happens is that cucumber slowly begins to absorb all that vinegar and all of those spices, so much so that it changes to become a Pickle. Are you like a cup of water in which a tea bag is dropped? And that tea bag slowly begins to diffuse into that cup all that flavor, that color, that aroma, so that eventually it's no longer called a cup of water. We now even call it tea. But yes, it's tea and water. But the tea has so saturated into that water that it's no longer called water. It's no longer called a cucumber. We now call it a pickle. This is the spiritual life according to Paul. And I want to show this to you briefly now from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's pick it up there in verse 17. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. What a great verse that is. Those who are in Christ, who are in the Spirit, your life should be free. But I want you to now focus here on verse 18. He says, But we all, with an unveiled face... Beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. glory. And this is done by the Lord who is the Spirit. Notice that phrase there, how Paul sees this. He says in Romans 5 verse 17, he says, If sin can spread into your life... And in all of humanity, through this one man, Adam, and through his rebellious transgression against God, if sin is so powerful, if sin is so saturating, so permeating, then how much more is is the life of God through the grace of God and through the righteousness of Christ? And then he comes here and he says, well, the spiritual life is a free life. It's not a slave life. It's not a life under the legalism of the law. But what this spiritual life in Christ Jesus will do for you, it's a life of increase. And notice how beautifully he puts it. He says, it's a life of glory unto glory unto glory. And this is actually what happens to a woman during pregnancy. Initially, her belly is just this tiny bump. Oh, there's glory to it. There's manifestation to it. But give it time, and this bump grows. There's more glory. And the life within her, now we can begin to see through sonar and through some pictures. Oh, there's a little leg. There's a little arm. There's glory. There's manifestation. There's substance to this living thing within her. Give it a little bit more time, and it begins to kick and push and wants to have its own, you know, comfort in there. And there's more manifestation, there's more glory, there is increase. And then lo and behold, give a time, and in the delivery, there is the glory of all glories. Now that hidden life is manifested, and boom, we call that birth. And in a way, Paul is basically saying the spiritual life in Christ in spirit, if indeed He dwells within you, that very Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, that very Spirit who went down into the depths of the earth and pulled Him back into resurrection and rose His body from the grave and changed His body, transformed it. He says, that very Spirit, glory to God, lives within you. Well, you just don't feel like it. It's not whether we feel like it, it's whether we agree with the truth. So Paul says, this spiritual life is a life of increase. By this we dare not say that the spiritual life is easy. Being pregnant is not easy. My wife um, at times had difficulty sleeping, difficulty rolling around in bed. You can't sleep on your stomach, both Wendy and I are stomach sleepers. So you should see a woman with a big belly. She can't sleep on a stomach. She has to sleep on her side or she has to sleep on her back. And you'll see, ladies, as you begin to be pregnant and this weight of this human being inside of you, it pulls your spine and you just begin to sort of hurt and you can't quite sit and you've got to get up through the night a hundred times to, you know, go to the bathroom. It's not an easy life being pregnant. And when I say the spiritual life is a life of increase, it's a life of growth, it, it's a life of glory to glory to glory, I dare not say that it's just a red carpet and easy. It's as difficult as a woman during the stages of pregnancy. But, beloved, there is in my wife a hope that's set before her, there's a joy said before her that she can endure the discomforts of pregnancy because in time there will be a manifestation. And you and I can be the same. And Paul will now go on in Romans 8 and he says, even though we suffer, yet we do so with a hope that there's going to be a manifestation. The suffering right now Cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. When we are fully transformed and this life has fully saturated us. The spiritual life is not an up and a down. Not an up and a down. The spiritual life is a contiguous ongoing life of increase in glory. And this can only happen if Christ is in you. And if you do not walk in the Spirit... You will not grow from glory to glory to glory. Again here in 2 Corinthians 3, he says this growth that takes place within you is by the Lord who is the Spirit. In Romans 8, he wants you to set your mind on the Spirit. So if I am not spiritually word, then you will not experience glory to glory to glory and transformation and even resurrection, so to speak. Parts of you will remain dead and lifeless and useless. So beloved, there you have it. The spiritual life is not just a, oh, let's get by and wait for the rapture. The spiritual life is beginning to resurrect me now. portions of me that is dead, how much more will life saturate it? If death could saturate it and influence it, how much more can the life of God?